And you're very welcome to season three. It's episode 36. We're nearing the end of the third season of LOI Weekly. We're nearing the end of uh, the League of Ireland campaign and we might well be nearing the end of Ireland's hopes for Euro 2020. We're going to talk about that very shortly. It's myself, Johnny Ward. Today I'm with... Shane Dawson. Shane Dawson. Impartial journalist. Impartial journalist who may or may not be impartial when uh, Ian Morris comes in. He'll be joined by Shane Supple. And we're going to have an interview with Carl Shepard as well about his future and what has been a disappointing season for him at Cork City. We're, as ever, on Podcast Republic. You will find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud as well, and iTunes. And we're at LOI Weekly on Twitter. And keep those interactions coming in because we'll be giving away two Airsport box tickets to the FEI Cup final. Um, stay tuned about that. And thanks for all the tweets last week. Big response to our query. Um, some questions for Alan Matthews. We're in association with Airsports and Independent.ie. And live from Geneva now is Daniel MacDonald. Daniel, how are you keeping? Not so bad, John. How are you? I haven't seen you since uh, I saw you in the early hours of the morning in Tbilisi. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, you you wandered into a situation where um, you were you were whistling anthems away like a good old like 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 you know the old party piece was pulled out. The very, let, very the high quality set. party piece. Yeah. But one month I was actually walking through um, Tbilisi, sort of because uh, you you'd sort of you you were sort of. Uh, you were in a free roving role uh, on the night, as such. You were like a number t- number ten type figure moving around to BC. Little and, defensive uh, work. A, a podcast listener did spot me and point out that he had seen you half an hour previously outside a particular place. So it was like, I want to thank that person for performing like a public service. Now, when I went to that next place, you weren't actually weren't there, but still, you had been spotted around the place. So I mean, you made your presence felt. Very happy that you did, John. Yeah, lovely, lo- did. lovely euphemisms there. Um, fantastic city, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. Yeah, I, 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 it was my third time there, but this is the best trip I had to Tbilisi, really, uh, until the game. Um, just in terms of uh, just the, you know where I stayed, and, and it's a, it's a good town, and it's, uh, yeah, no, I mean it's a nice nice place. It's it's nice to be able to go somewhere like that. I think. Uh, even like a lot of punters, I mean, I know this definitely doesn't apply to you because you'd, you'd been 10 years earlier, but um, I think a lot of people actually made that their trip in this campaign, mm. whereas previously they might have had some kind of, I guess, fear factor or, or you know, unknown about Tbilisi. There were stories in the past of, uh, uh, you know, noise being thrown onto the pitch and, and stuff like that, and it probably portrays an image of a place, but it's, it's, it's very much out of sync with the what it's like to visit now that's for sure yeah the, as, you, as you can attest is my, my first I suppose proper away trip and uh, the amount of League of Ireland fans you meet um, obviously a lot of non-League of Ireland fans but I, I have to say I really enjoyed it meeting people from Athlone Town admittedly doesn't go to the games anymore Sligo Rovers Finn Harps uh, all over the Shamrock Rovers and Bose fans even drinking together great trip the game itself though and the game last night discuss yeah discussed Discuss. Well, um, discuss anyway. No, uh, nah, I mean, last night, I find it hard to get too angry about last night. I mean, mm. I always felt that that was going to be a game that Switzerland would win, and particularly the situation, particularly when they lost on Saturday. It was like, oh no, this is not good because, you know, they've they've made mistakes throughout the group and uh, maybe complacency and just various things setting in at various points. But um, when they needed to win last night, I mean, they should have won in Dublin. Uh, and I always felt they were win last night. And I know, obviously, changes were made with formation and so on and so forth. And you can definitely, um, you know, you can debate them. And uh, that's fair enough. But, I mean, it's possible that the result might not have changed too much. Um, but you always have to analyse it and see what could have happened. I think just Saturday was deeply frustrating, just in the sense of, um, 
uh, just the suppose the conservatism and how much respect was given to to Georgia, uh, and like even the urgency that you could see from Ireland in the second half last night, which actually like there was a good sort of ten fifteen minute patch there, um, it just they needed that urgency for you know earlier in the game on Saturday and. Um, you know, could have been in a situation where it would have taken some of the pressure off last night. Yeah. So it's it's it, it it's a promising position. The group has been squandered. There's no denying yeah. it. And, and now you're in a situation where you have a team in Denmark that's coming to uh, coming to Dublin, needing a point to go through. Now, to almost flip it to a League of Ireland context, you, you sort of think of that title decider in 2014, where Cork, Kent, Oriel Park needing a draw. Uh, to win the league against Dundalk and Dundalk just needed to win and sometimes it is easier in a, in a weird way for the team that needs to win because it's a very uh, th- there's no nuance to their situation they just need to win whereas uh, the team that ha- who knows that a draw is enough um, if it is a draw with half an hour to go like what do you do and um, that is the only the only positive on the situation mm. um, but it's it's hard to be hugely positive based just based on performances really uh, the performances in the competitive games this autumn. Yeah, I think this, the one all against Switzerland has got people thinking it was a good performance. I mean, it, it really wasn't for it's large parts of the game. So mm. the last three performances haven't been good. So uh, that's the fault. That's the problem. Shane, uh, the, the game last night, I, I'd, I wouldn't be too harsh on them. I mean, you look at Jacka, who basically was miles ahead of anything we had, and fair enough. But the game in Georgia, and I did tweet about Jack Byrne. It was kind of crying out for a midfielder just to get on the ball, and then like Georgia ended up conceding two against Gibraltar. Um, like they're not that great. They have they haven't scored a goal against any of the major teams in the group. I, I think yeah, you're dead right, and it's wholly frustrating looking at that. You know, you can make calls for whoever players you want, but the players that are on the pitch, you can't excuse. And I think Mick McCarthy referenced it last night as well. Just the sloppy mistakes and the passing and the you know schoolboy errors or whatever you want to call it, and seeing that that there's no one that wants to step up and, and take control. And yes, possibly Jack Byrne might have done that, but on the flip side of that, Jack Byrne might have gone missing as well you know you look at Aaron Connolly everyone calling for him to start and he had a frustrating evening as well Dan I'd be interested to hear your, your take on it did he get the formation wrong did he you know did he set up in the wrong way last night well uh, it's interesting basically because they were so worried about um, they were so worried about spies I think in the stadium but they didn't practice it the night before the match and Enda Stevens basically said afterwards that they hadn't really got a chance to work on it, um, so like that. I mean, that is ideal when you when like one of the advantages of this regime, you would have thought would have been preparation. You know, prepare. You know, compared to the previous one, um, like uh, the problem with the formation was that really once he abandoned it, he didn't really have the personnel to make an easy switch. And you had this situation where James McLean played right, and James Collins was briefly on the left side coming up to half time. Um, that they put their faith in it without a sort of a plan B within the system to, you know, to change it if it really wasn't working, which it wasn't working. But like, I also do think as well that some of the problems weren't just to do with the formation. It was just to do with basic ball control and Swiss execution. And really, like you could have put any formation. If you'd passed the ball that poorly, you would have got picked apart either way. So like, I don't think it was a massive, like, you know, massive system failure or anything like that. But the fact that he chose to change it after half an hour probably tells you something. And that that's as as honest a feedback as you ever get from any manager. And he, he admitted it was poor. I mean, you can look at aspects of it. Uh, you know, Enda Stevens played left of the back three rather than left wing back. Um, Seamus Coleman's never really particularly played well in that wing back role at all. And you have Matt, oh, you have Matt Doherty there, and could you have played Coleman on the right of the three and played Doherty wing back and and Stevens the other side? But McLean is 
is is is you no know, he's he's not willing to sort of lose the energy uh, that McLean provides even though he's he's really struggled in these last couple of games so it's you're more so looking at the personnel within the system rather than the system itself but I think I sort of agree with you in the sense that like um you know that you can't just give players a pass as such you know for 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 things that have that have gone wrong like I mean it was just some really basic basic errors last night that I think would have posed a problem in any in any kind of formation two of the ex-league of Ireland players I thought you know emerged really badly from the two games Coleman and uh, McLean and you're just wondering uh, you'd be wondering about their futures I think at international level now um would you agree uh, I like. I think you're you're very quick to like uh, to make those pronouncements, John. Like and just and decide that that's it's, it. It's not two um, games now. Like Coleman, since he's come back, and McLean in general of this campaign. Um, I mean, uh, Coleman looked to me like his legs were gone last night. McLean, I thought was poor as well. This could be a blessing uh, in disguise that he's I, missing I, for the Denmark match. Well, yeah, we'll I mean, see. I just think like you, like you know, he was sent off in his previous game with Everton, but he's actually had some good games with Everton this season as mm. well too. You know, so like it's only a couple of weeks ago that he was sort of uh, playing pretty well against the Premier League champions. You know, so you can't go from that to your legs being gone in a couple of weeks. Um, but he didn't. Look, he, but at the same time, he looked very out of sorts, and maybe he did struggle on the on the pitch a bit. It was the heavy going and racing terms, and maybe he was just toiling in a second game in three days and. And and he just wasn't at it, and you could just see like he his his uh, his body couldn't execute some things that his mind was trying to do uh, against We've a really powerful, a very powerful athletic team. Like that's the mm. thing. As I always point about Switzerland, like they're very powerful and athletic, well able to deal with it. There was a moment in the first half where McLean went in a run, and Zakaria just came back, shoved him off the yeah. ball, and they're they're the type of things that McLean would normally win. That's the advantage. Um, and when you lose that advantage. Uh, you know, you need a bit more subtlety, and Ireland definitely didn't have that. Just like the one thing to mention about Jack Byrne, I, I, like, I, last night was never going to be a night for Jack Byrne, yeah. and I'm not surprised really that he wasn't involved at, even in the squad. Um, I think Saturday, it's not just about Jack; it's about even a um, even someone like an Alan Judge or, or whoever, even an O'Dowd, who's a different type of operator. But um, just leaving it far too late to make the changes against the team that. Uh, can be can be penetrated like and uh, the tempo of that game wouldn't have phased Jack Byrne really um, I would say that the Georgian midfield uh, I know we talk about levels and where someone plays and I think you have to be as much as you know we're League of Ireland fans you have to acknowledge that it's always going to be a, a massive step up and people are going to be wary about dropping someone in but you know, you have a couple of the Georgian players there playing in Cyprus and, and various leagues like that. I mean, Jack Byrne in the Europa League has played against Brand. He's played against uh, one of the top teams in Cyprus, and it hasn't like he hasn't he hasn't looked like a tourist. You know, so I think I think that would have been the game where he, he might have helped um, to establish some degree of of control. But we'll never know. And as I said, there were other players that might have been able to do something similar. And uh, you know, players with a good pedigree who struggled in the game, and maybe it's just a collective lack of confidence in the team. And as mm. Shane says, and anyone who played might have just got sort of dragged into it, no matter who they are. But I, I would have thought Georgia was a game where maybe, uh, maybe he should have been considered. But the fact he was the first man dropped out of the squad for the Switzerland game would suggest that he wasn't really in the thoughts at all. You would think. I thought is, he, said uh, he didn't. He didn't hard, hard from the take. Yeah, I, I thought for a moment there he didn't look like a terrorist, but I think you said he didn't look like a tourist. A, t- right? a tourist. Yeah, it's a very just, important. Just to clarify, Jack does not look climate. like a terrorist, yeah. um, but he'll be yeah. back in action uh, very shortly for Shamrock Rovers. We we will we do have to wrap up. It's a kind of another dead rubber round of games, except for the live game, which is Patrick's at home to Bohemians. As it stands, Dan. Um, 
Bowes they have 56 points but Pats and Derry are battling it out for um, fourth by the looks of it or certainly Pats are anyway this is a big big game for Stephen O'Donnell yeah well I mean Pats and Derry are battling it out for fourth I mean that that's the way things are like Pats Pats are Pats can only really I mean they can they can they can take three points off Bowes but realistically I mean they play Derry next week you know Pats play Bowes Derry and then Dock so yeah. I mean for Stephen O'Donnell it's a hell of a run in um, to try and you know pretty much like they need something close to like perfect performances across the three games to to do enough to get across the line and, and you fear they might just regret Waterford and, and UCD in those games where they have dropped points uh, like Bowes are almost there now and um, it'll be a good atmosphere actually I see Bowes have pretty much taken most of their, their allocation up um, yeah no it's big for Pat I know that Stephen Donald came in with a certain amount of games to go so um, probably wouldn't be Taking like I don't think responsibility would be laid at his door if they if they end up finishing fifth. But at the same time, um, you're looking for that bounce factor from a new manager, and they've had just a couple of disappointing home games. Um, and so this is a match where I sort of feel like they need something. You know, they need to produce a performance, a bit of time to sort of prepare for this game, having not played last week, and and maybe to really. You know, having been dropped in there, a, a fair old stint now to work with the group and in training. And I think people, as much as it's early days, are still going to want to see something mm, from them on Friday. Yeah. Um, so I think that there is a certain amount of pressure. And uh, it's, it's a funny one. It's almost like the reverse of, well, no, a, a version of the Ireland Denmark thing, whereas Pats just need to win. Like Bows just need to really keep their heads and they're fine here. Um, whereas Pats have to sort of show a bit more intent. So, I sort of have a feeling they might produce a display, but they, they need to really. Quick prediction: Cavan Teeley and and uh, Drada. Who gets through from that? Drada. Drada. Yeah. Um. That that's interesting. Not they they yeah. do have that uh, problem that Gaelic games teams have of this long wait playing against the team who played last week. But um, if they get through that, it'll be it'll be interesting. And uh, we shall have you on again, obviously, uh, back in studio next week. Dan. I hope so. Yeah. I, hope so, John. Uh, I think you've done yeah. well there. I didn't actually. realize that, I didn't realize that was your decision, but at the same time, I'll I'll be happy to be back on if you let me back on. It's That'd a collective decision. All right, okay. Listen, I'm, I'm only keeping your seat warm then. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's very warm, Shane. Very warm, warm <laughs> hope. All right. I think we've got another Shell special this week yeah. to keep you occupied. So it's, yeah. uh, people might notice some kind of recurring team happening here. You know, bring bring your own Shells, mate, a long week. Yeah. It'll be all right. Bring, bring a Shells fan to work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a million, Dan. Carl, how are you keeping? All good, Johnny. All good yourself? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. It was uh, it was good to see you back among the goals on Friday night yourself and uh, Connor McCormick scoring. And as unlikely as Connor McCormick scoring is, it's strangely unlikely for you this season. It hasn't been a great season for you, and I, I guess there are reasons for that beyond um, footballing reasons. Could you explain? Uh, uh, look, I had an indifferent season. I hate to try and. Uh put like other reasons behind why I wasn't playing well on the pitch but look it's uh I've started to feel a bit better like I, I think at the start of the season I was really really struggling with the back and a uh, change of medications twice but look thankfully about halfway through the season I was able to get that sorted and I think the body just sort of needs to shut down and restart again but I wouldn't blame that all on obviously how I was playing it obviously comes into confidence as well comes into it and I think if you looked at this Cork team this year, I think you could see at times that I'd say the majority of players were struggling with confidence and that's why I think at times we were 
if we were leading, we were giving away so many goals that you wouldn't normally see us give away. But look, it's sort of summed up the season the way that it's panned out that we were giving away so many late goals and that's why we're so low down on the table, really. Mm. What What is or was the nature of your ailment, your back injury? Well, I obviously have uh, arthritis in the back, but uh, originally at the start of the season, I, I came back and I was flying and then... Uh, I'd say about two weeks before the President's Cup, I just got a, I took a shot in training and it just jerked up the back. So uh, then all the muscles around it just seized up because my body attacks inflammation. So your body, it became inflamed. So then it just sort of attacked it. So then for, I'd say a good few weeks, it needed to shut down. But obviously with the start of the season, it couldn't shut down at that time. So I was just sort of pushing through it and sort of making it worse and worse. But look around the time of the break, it got sort of a small break, but uh, towards the end of the season, now look, I'll obviously have a good rehabilitation program to go through and get it right for next season, hopefully. Yeah, have you any concerns with the view to the future? Uh, no, look, at the start of the season, I did. I was saying, look, if it continues on like this and I'm playing through this much pain for the rest of the season and the rest of my career, I would definitely have had serious thoughts about hanging up the boots, but thankfully, look, it hasn't been as bad. And look, it was nice to get a goal the other night and even just more so being able to run freely the last couple I'd say months has been sort of nice to be able to do as well and look next season I've obviously have ambitions to get back to where I have been and playing as well as I have before How would you sum up the season in a collective sense because John Coffey left after you'd struggled John Cotter came in and you know he, he left and then Neil Finn came in and it, it, isn't, it isn't as though your form has picked up it's almost like you are needing to refresh and kind of you know just start again Yeah I think uh, if you look at it I'd say it's one where if we were a team who hasn't done so well the last few years I think we might have done a bit better than what we've actually done it might sound strange but when you're not used, loose, or used to losing, sorry. Mm. You sort of have a crisis after, after every defeat. And that's what we were having. After every defeat, we were obviously at each other's throat, sort of. And I think then it just zapped confidence from each and every player where we were dem- trying to demand so much off each other. But perhaps the quality wasn't there that we've had in previous years. So I think that's why you could see... I think everyone looking in could see the team sort of was struggling for confidence. And that's why we're obviously so low down at the table that we just weren't performing to what we could. Carl, you mentioned that there was kind of a lack of confidence there and, you know, somewhat demoralising going to training and stuff like that. On a day-to-day basis, how tough is it going to training and trying to motivate yourself and trying to G up the lads when you aren't playing well as a collective? Uh, I, I think, to be honest, it comes from an individual myself. I'd never have any problem motivation-wise, even now towards the end of the season, you'd almost say that Cork have nothing to play for, but going into training now, it's even yesterday, I'm sure lads are getting a headache with me shouting at them to sort of demand off players. So I think that just sort of comes from individuals. But I, I do understand what you're saying, that yes, you come in and when we're used to winning so much and you have that sort of bounce in your step, that now you're coming in and your head's down. But I think it just comes back to like hard work and graft and, and sort of what you have in the individual really. What was it tough for? Like I know Johnny touched on there that there has been a few managers you've played under this season, but was it tough for Neil Fenn when he came in to instill that bit of confidence back or try and just get morale back up as a whole, as a group, and try and sort it out off the pitch before you then can address issues on the pitch? Yeah, I think look, he looked at 
yeah, I think when he came in, obviously the squad's completely different from what it had been before. So I think I think with Neil, look, he obviously went to a lot of younger lads and tried to give them maybe a bit of confidence. And I think they're starting to pick up their performances. You see, even uh, young Ben and Whitmarsh was up front the other night and he done really well. So I think that's the way Neil's going to try and go with probably youth and giving them the confidence to express themselves. And look, he had one or two sort of more experienced lads on the pitch the other night and I think that helps as well when you have the right blend together that yes you have the youth of, you have the youth and the almost no fear factor that they, they'd have gone into games and then you have obviously more experienced lads who can sort of see them through tough times as well Just uh, before we, we talk about the future just to reflect on your time at Cork City particularly under John Caulfield and when you were playing upside uh, Dooley and Maguire up front um, that dynamic three you had when Cork were practically unbeatable what did you have 20 games without without even dropping a point I think that must like that must stack up there very high in terms of your career memories Yeah look obviously that that year and the year before that were obviously very very good and it was Two players, well, for me to be in that front three was just frightening at times. We were going into games, and if you weren't scoring in a game, you were literally raging coming off the pitch. And if you didn't have an assist as well, you'd be going, "I'm going to be dropped this day." So uh, the next game, so you need, you knew, you knew you had to go into that day, them games with two or two lads and go right. I have to deliver today. I have to give something to the team in terms of a goal or an assist. And thankfully, most weeks we were able to because. As you said, I think it was 20 games or something unbeaten. And if we didn't, say, lose either of them two now, I'm sure we'd be still challenging for the league because I could only imagine how many goals Shawnee would have got that season if he stayed for the full year. Mm. And, um, you know, John Caulfield, you, you get the sense that he's itching to get back into the game. What does he have to offer a new club that he might join in the League of Ireland? Uh, I'm sure if John gets a gets another club in the League of Ireland they'll be challenging it's just the type of man John is he's so infectious with his enthusiasm and his demands that I think no matter what club it is he'll have them up challenging it's just the type of man he is he demands it from everybody in training and he, in fairness some he's I could possibly see him going into a role even higher up whether it's in yeah. the FAI or anything like that because his enthusiasm for the league and for sort of promoting the league onto better things is something I could possibly see him but I know I'd say he has his eye on getting back into management um, What about Neil Fenn is he, he's obviously a different style of manager can he can he bring Cork City forward at, if ever there's a transition this looks to be a transition Yeah look he obviously I think he said it himself he has sort of a tough job on his hands now the fact that I'd say the club may go in a different direction the next couple of years and fairness to Neil he's coming in and he's trying to get the lads playing a good brand of football and it's possibly something that the fans will want to see where look the club's going to obviously change a lot of players and then obviously coming seasons and Neil will get in players that he wants but hopefully look for Cork so you can and for Neil's that the club are up challenging it's a, it's a tough ask as you sort of see this year that there's a lot of work to be done but in fairness to him he has us playing a better brand of football now just from the language you're using there, it doesn't seem at least certain that you'll be at Cork next season. What's your contractual situation or where are you looking at the moment? Yeah, my contract's up at the end of the season and uh, I've looked or too early to say that I won't be at Cork mm. next year, but uh, I'd say that I'm 
looking elsewhere at the minute as well, just because of the nature of the league, really. You'd be foolish to say, oh, yeah, I'll put all my eggs in the cork basket and then nothing comes about of it. Yeah, and like you still have a lot to offer, I would hope, um, notwithstanding the fact that this season you are Cork City captain as well this season, that it, it's it's obviously one that you kind of would hope to write off, I suppose. Yeah, look, this season is uh, sort of being here before. I felt that I wouldn't say I've become a part of the furniture at Cork, but I just feel that it might be time possibly now at the end of the season to reevaluate things. I felt sort of the same when I left Shamrock Rovers originally mm. when... Uh, I think I said at that time as well, I've been there too many years that you sort of feel you need a new challenge and off that season as well. I think I had a low scoring season and then the next one I sort of bounced back. So look, I think these times come in your career when you maybe need to make a decision on what you'll do next and what sort of challenge you want next. And I think I'm possibly at that moment now. It must be a great place to play Turner's Cross in fairness. You must have some great memories of European nights and when it's full playing Dundalk and so on. Yeah, look, I, I think... Possibly my favourite night was, obviously from a bit of a selfish point, was when we bet Dundalk, I think it was maybe four or five games into the year when we won the double, where I think I scored two that day and we bet Dundalk and it was a sellout. And to be honest, it was on cloud nine coming out of the stadium that night and even the night of when we beat Hacken and we had Genk as well at home there. These are very big nights and obviously they're all sellouts. So... I think in terms of what Turner's Cross brings to the league and when it's a, a sellout, it's I don't think anybody else in the league really matches it. You think you scored two goals. You know well you scored two goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's mad when you reflect finally just the managers you've had from like Mick O'Neill to uh, Neil Fenn to John Caulfield to Sean Connor. Um, <laughs> you've, you've certainly gone through the, the merry-go-round the league. Again, there's a lot of experience with these characters. Yeah, characters would be a word for a few of them, but uh, <laughs> we won't, won't get into names. that. <laughs> Shane, final question to you: All, all these managers uh, you've had, Carl, who do you base yourself on uh, coaching down with Lavendale? Um, I wouldn't really base myself on anyone. I think you try and go through, you try and grab little bits from each manager. So if I was talking about each manager, it'd be like you look at people may think Sean Connor was a. a massive character in the league but for what he did for me was he put massive confidence in me and I think that was a big like something that I take from him and you look at Michael O'Neill and his preparation and John Caulfield and his what he demands from each player that I've also had Pat Fenlon and Trevor Crawley and I think you get massive things from each manager really so I think I try and just take little bits from each of them but in terms of what I'm doing at Avondale at the minute I'm just sort of obviously finding my feet really at the coaching side of it and sort of trying to find what my way will be as well. Listen, Carl, thanks a million for coming in. Um, it's uh, It's been great having you on and uh, just to remind people, you're still only 28. You should really be at the peak of your career, I would, I would yeah, actually look argue. a lot older. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that next time. But yeah. uh, thanks a million, Carl. Have a great day. Cheers, thanks. Jane. Cheers, Carl. And it's now time to welcome Ian Morris and Shane Supple to the show. Uh, how are you, lads? Ian, your second time to the show, I think. Second time, yeah. yeah. I was in with Paul Keegan at the start of the year. When everything, all the pressure was on to get over the line, which you did. I'm looking at here, you're actually nine points clear at the end of the campaign. Nine points, yeah. Yeah, we, fin- a bit we finished, than it was. Uh, finished really strongly. Mm. What did you make of that super subs? I delighted uh, for Morrow. Yeah. I wasn't surprised, to be honest. Yeah, what yeah. with the budget he had and the best players and I did, I don't all think the, the budget was as, uh, was as big <laughs> as people are making out yeah. to me, but all the pressure was on him this year. You know, I think of any manager across all the leagues, everyone, uh, you know, 
thought he spent X amount of money on players and brought in these big names and that, but mm. I think it was the the lesser known players that probably got him over the line in the end. So great for him, and you know uh, he's in the Premier Division next year, so even more pressure on him now. The, the, that, and a manager actually had a pop at me last week because I said the budget matters a lot more than the manager, and the manager doesn't matter as much. But um, I guess you you, only, you can only do it if you have the players, and you did have the players. To be fair, yeah, we we had a really good squad. Um, we'd quite a lot of injuries throughout the season. We had suspensions, and um, players stepped up. Um, that, that might not have been in the. You might not have looked to at the start of the year, but throughout the season, a lot of players came into their own and, and really kicked us on. And um, everyone in the squad was used. Everyone played a massive, massive part, and um, it was real made the job easier for me. I think what's hard for you now is you have to, and I always find it's interesting dynamic for teams that are getting promoted. A lot of the players know that they're not going to be there next season, and for you now, you have to make that call or purge or whatever you want to call it in Soviet terms but uh, you have to make I'm just back from Georgia but, uh, but uh, you have to make you have to make harsh decisions that's and in the second year of your job really yeah that, that's been the toughest uh, toughest part I've been doing that oh, since the season has ended I've been meeting with every player and um, obviously some players will move on um, they need to, to go and play more regularly um, and then there's some that I'd have my eyes on other players around the league and um it's just just natural that that players come and, and go, and sometimes it just suits the the club and it suits the player as well. So, mm. but that, that they've been really difficult conversations. I think it's probably the the most difficult part of the job is is either leaving people out of the squad or, or this part where you have to either let player know that they're part of your plans for the following season or they're not. So mm. th- that's been that's been really tough. You've re-signed with the core group of of guys. You brought in Jack Brady as well, so it's a new goalkeeper in from Limerick. Where do Shelburne need to strengthen in order to sustain themselves and you know be competitive in a Premier Division? Um, I think you're looking at in every position really. Um, you've got to have players as well who can who can double up, maybe play they're comfortable in a couple of positions. Um, but we need to look everywhere through the spine of the team. Um, I, I signed the players back that that I did because I firmly believe. Um, Ability-wise, they they can comfortably play in the Premier Division. A lot of them already have. Um, it's just a case of working on the other side now. They need to be physically stronger, physically fitter, um, and that's something we'll really be be honing in on. It's it's something that it's one thing that you cannot excuse, um, in my opinion, is your fitness or your diet, and um, you look after that right. And then um, I think adding a bit of quality as well to the squad. Um, I, I think we'll be in a in a good place going into next season. Shane has just knocked over the air conditioning uh, duct there. <laughs> we actually don't have time to deal with I this. Get, I get too excited talking to Shelburne managers. But, um, you must have uh, must have been impressed by Jack Brady. Do you know much about him, Subs? Uh, have you seen much of him? He's made some unbelievable saves this season on some of uh, Limerick's many uh, highlights reels or whatever. Yeah, I've seen a bit of him played against him a couple of times in, in pre-season games when he's been at, I think, Longford and... Um, other clubs down through the years so he's an experienced keeper maybe not as much experience in the Premier Division but um, I think he's a, he's a decent lad um, by all accounts um, I think he's a, is he in college at the moment or he's, he's uh, nearly a teacher he's yeah, doing a degree yeah. and he's uh, he subs in, in, a t- in a school down in Limerick but we've just um, 
we've helped them get into a school up here um, to, to finish off and that that's part of what we have to do as a club we, we're not going to be able to match the spending power of other clubs and we have to be creative we have to try help help players and I think that ties into everything that's like the sponsorship with DCU and um, that's been huge we've got two of the two of the women and two of uh, our underage players going into DCU already this year so that's starting to bear bear fruit as well um, that's fantastic it's huge yeah. and we, we have to help we have to look at players and go right well um, what what are you interested in? What do you have? You got qualifications? Have you what do you, would you like to do? And we've got the I touched on it the last time the, the Shelburne Opportunity Network, where it's really influential people that can help and give players a, a, I suppose guide them and put them on a pathway into a career that they can to be really successful. So if, if Jack's the, what twenty twenty two, um, he could be he's in a top school now up in Dublin, and in ten years time he's going to be still playing mm-hmm. and he'll have 10 years teaching experience so yeah what's the future for that in terms of colleges like because how can you explain how does it work because I I think a lot of the clubs are missing a trick here because it's mutually beneficial I would have thought 100% you you can see how big the the college football is as well now with the the Collingwood Cup and, and, and all the other tournaments around there and I don't know why they don't want because it so footballers have a a certain mentality and an attitude and desire and they'll, they'll kick on they have that team ethic and you get them into they're only going to improve your school or your college or whatever it is you're going into and um, it's beneficial for them as well like there's not a, an industry in this country that you can go oh, I'll play full time and then I'll start my career um, mm. at 35, 36 or whatever age it might mm. be so you have to look at the other side of things get qualified get into a career um, and get some help be guided so it's for me that's the, the way to go That's one thing Johnny I think out of everything that's gone on in the moment and in, in football in this country you don't hear it said too much um, within the association or that but that's something that needs to be looked at you know the players need to be you know mentioned a bit more in this situation you know and the way the league is going or where football is going in this country that we need to look after the players a lot better we need to provide better systems for them in terms of education you know a whole holistic approach to it um, and the clubs will benefit from that what would you do though well it's if you're out what is best for you know players whether it's you know going staying in college or getting a trade or figuring out what suits them what they're interested in what they're passionate about outside of football yeah we're all driven and you know, different to me and Morrow, all we wanted to do was play football. We were lucky enough to go to England at a young age. And even over there, like there's there's not enough um, guidance um, or care put into it. You're just a piece of meat to them over there. And if you don't make it, then that's it. Two, three years later, good luck, go back. Mm. You've nothing behind you, not a piece of paper or anything. So it's something that we should be looking at here. And as I said, clubs will benefit on the pitch as well. Players will benefit on the pitch. They'll be a lot more secure in themselves. They know they have something to fall back on. Whereas players are going from 40 weeks to 40 weeks in this country on contracts. I know myself, like after leaving Bowes last year, like I'm in a posi- lot better position now. Financially, I can go get mortgages and stuff like that now, whereas like, I couldn't have done that. I wouldn't have well, laughed out of the bank. I can't, no. You know? Well, I don't know. Maybe not as much money as me. <laughs> well, I was on to Oscar Rin and he said, I'm back delivering craft beer now for the off-season. Yeah, well, Oscar's got a, something coming up, I think, in the new year as January, well. January, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah so he's looking at, to the future as well. And, but we need to help players you know look that way you know and not always just think about year on year and what am I doing what's my next club where am I going to be at so you need to you know a bit of a a plan whether it's 5, 10 year 20 year plan like because we need to prepare them better and this is the game will benefit as a whole from that as well then going forward Is that driven from the the league itself in terms of the new entity or (laughs) Yeah well like hopefully they'll have I don't know what's going to happen there on that front but 
you'd like to think that there may be some department in there that's education focused or player welfare and education, whatever it is, but really it should be coming down from the FAI first and foremost and you know, from players that are coming back from England that are going over, that are struggling over there, you know, what support are they getting? Because they're not getting it. Because I know I've never seen anyone over there come over and ask me, okay, how are things going over here when, you're, when I was coming back? No one asked me, is everything okay? I, I don't know, Mara, if you were the same. I know there were supposed to be certain no. people over there, but... No. I think I think um, the government have a big role to play there, and that this could be a really beneficial thing for people for, for for society that the government could work with the authorities and say, well, listen, we'll set up some sort of a body that'll look in mm-hmm. look at look at player welfare as well. I know the PFI do, do a good job, but. Um, like people don't understand. Like we had, uh, you know, Lee Desmond on last week. He's gone on yeah. the dole now. Um, yeah. when I was listening to that, like, and he spoke very well. You know about that stuff and thinking to the future. I think he's going back to college. Is he? Or he's gone back to college. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know. So he, like, I, if I brought a non-League of Ireland lad or somebody working in in a good job in Dublin and said, "Oh, you, this Lee Desmond, he's a proper player." Oh, by the way, he's gone on the dole in three weeks. Like. It just sounds mad. Mm-hmm. Like he's a proper professional footballer. Now he has to go on the dole. And I'm not blaming Pats because that's how it is. Yeah, no, it's not. And other organisations, sporting organisations in this country look after their players a lot better. You look at the rugby and the GA, you know, they have stuff in place. Whatever direction the lad wants to go. And if he wants to go into a warehouse and work in a warehouse, fair enough. But mm-hmm. if he wants to get a, an education and move up the ladder and be a CEO of a company, or that, they provide that as well or that support to get him in those positions, you know. But we don't have here to pay for you do as much as they can, but they're limited in their resources and their funding that they get. We need to get more money from the government, the FEI, and, and make sure it's distributed properly and, you know, it's ring-fenced for that specifically. Well, I, I, find I think as well, yeah. though, like players need to be accountable for themselves as well. Mm. You can't keep on pointing your fingers. If, if you want to do something or if you want information, I think you need to come forward and ask for it. Um, it can't just keep on, oh, they need to do more, they need to do more, they need to, whoever it may probably be. Probably not well educated though, moral law. But yeah. that's, like, there yeah. could be workshops put on, whatever yeah. it is, but you have to want to do something as well. You can't just expect people to hand things to you in life. You have to be accountable for yourself and your own progression. So I think there is a little bit, we can get a bit carried away and what mm. do you want to be spoon fed your whole life? It's hard, like, though, you you're to, right, because people come you know, from different backgrounds and that, mm. and it's, it's you're a product of your environment at the end of the day and they mightn't be in a situation, family-wise or whatever, they're surrounded by people who are you know, the way you think or I think or certain people think so they're not brought up that way. You well, know, the stats are like they've only done, so many have only done the junior cert and yeah. it's saying racing like jockeys and trainers, yeah. a lot of them are seriously ill-educated. Mm. Some of them yeah. can't even read yeah. um, and they've no life outside of racing because they wouldn't be yeah. able to do it. So I don't know, I, I do have sympathy for the players because it's yeah. not it's not in maybe the culture or the narrative. No, it's not, Dan. You need to change the mindset. Mm. You know, that's the one thing. There's a duty of care though and I think if you look at that, okay, players can step up and ask ask for help or ask for guidance, ask for advice. But at the same time, it should be more driven into the clubs. And I know Bowes have done it well. Shells have the opportunity pathway as well, as of other clubs. But it should be in the licensing even. Yeah. You sh- need to have a system in place or a backup in place there that does look after player welfare. And if you don't have that in place, then you don't get a Premier Division mm-hmm. licence. You know, so there has to be some. Now, if that's in the FEI, like I'm, I'm not knocking the PFAI mm. in any way as well, mm. but there should be a system in place there to say there is. Well, that's part of the or the collective bargaining agreement that we were looking to put forward until obviously, you know, the shit, shit hit the, the fan. fan. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and that's part of it. What you said there is that education is provided or there's some information given to players at the start of the year that this is a service it's provided or we would recommend then it's up to the players you know or there's a follow up you know a month later six weeks later or two months later that we start to try you know change the mindset but you're right until it's put into down on paper and, and in a binding contract um, it's never going to change here because it's just another 
facet that they don't want to deal with, you know, that's a nuisance to them or whatever. We're actually, Shells are running a, a big education day in DCU this Saturday. So for parents and coaches and players to attend and kind of give give information on, on what way you can go, whether education or, or, or career-wise. So I think clubs can, can step up as well. And that, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give as much information out as we can. And yeah. well, DCU are providing us with the, with the venue, being I'd our partner as well. I'd say pretty much every club is relatively near a college. Like Pretty much every club, even from Drogheda to Athlone in the ITs. Um, Sligo. Yeah. Sligo um, um, I'd say they're all, and it just looks. I remember Tim Clancy was saying Drogheda were trying to link up with um, with the local college. I don't know if Anson's happened there, but um, I don't know, Shane. It seems a bit of a no-brainer, and it's also inviting more people to know about your club uh, because there isn't enough community work done. It just there just simply isn't. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think that's something that all clubs should be tapping into. Mm. Is you know, you want the league to grow, you want your club to grow, and the only way that's going to grow is to get more fans in. I think a lot of Shells fans at the start of the season actually said the best signing of, of the season was DCU. Yeah. Because that, that ensures long-term development. Where did Morrow come in in that then? Uh, <laughs> oh, very low. Very low. It's <laughs> um, oh, we'll a fair point though. No, it is. Like yeah. in terms of, okay, Andrew Doyle came in, new owner. Ian Morris came in, new manager. And we've signed some, some or Shelburne signed some, some big names. Shelburne. Shelburne yeah. did. Yeah. Um, Partiality's just gone there. Yeah. But, you know, you need that long-term development, and especially if the club is going to move elsewhere, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So at least the DCU then is, is a pathway and bring the Hendersons in as well. So there's more structure to the club, which is something that's been lacking in Shelburne in recent years. How have you found it? You're, you're wearing a nice tin of fruit there, but how, <laughs> how have you found life after football? Because you, you didn't really, you ended maybe 10 years before you possibly should have, if you were fit, if you know what I mean, because yeah. you were a goalkeeper. Yeah, it's difficult. Mm. Um, like as much as you try plan, and like I did anyway to try plan, but I wasn't really quite sure what I was going to do or where I'd fit into the real world. Um, but your your ego takes a bashing, you know, when when you have to put yourself out there and you have to, I suppose, learn a whole new skill set to a sense in, in a sense, I suppose. And it's not easy. Um, when you when you're going in and being told to do this and and, and do that, or you, it's not this is not the way we do it, or mm. and you just have to have that mindset. Well, I'm going in here. It's going to take me six months to a year to really grasp what, what I'm what I'm doing and understand what I'm doing. So, I suppose I have been lucky in football has, t- has taught me that you know a bit of resilience. I suppose is the big word being thrown about these days. So you have to be resilient and you know strong minded in that. But um, it's still early days for me. But I'm enjoying what I'm doing. But I'm. I'm Giving it a chance, I suppose, and I'm not. What are you actually doing? I'm recruiting. I'm in recruitment, um, so I recruit across sales and marketing roles um, uh, for a, a company called Executive Connections, and um, we're based up on Baggett Street there. So we we work across, you know, the financial industry, uh, banking, accountancy, IT. Uh, obviously, my division is sales and marketing, so we do mid to senior level roles. So it's it's a great exposure to me to you know that side of of. Um, the world and real work and that as mm. well and I'm lucky enough there's some good people there who are upskilling me and, and teaching me so but uh, a lot of the skills are transferable you know over and it's only over time and over the, yeah. the last few months I've realised you know just how you deal with people a lot of the time especially in my in my role it's how you speak to people and, and deal with them and treat them is uh, is very important so yeah like, and Morrow like for you were, were you always going to go straight into management and what was that transition like um yeah it wasn't something I was I was looking for towards the end of last season um conversation happened and it kind of just went from there um, and I've, I've kind of been had a lot of injury through my career and that that was a big part of my decision um, and it was always what I wanted to do I've coached from a young age and um, I think I kind of played with that kind of mentality as, mm. as I, I'd like to talk and I'd, I'd speak and I'd talk to younger players or um, so yeah I found it um, 
quite easy. I really, you, yeah? yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I just kind of focused my mind on what I needed to do, and I was able to. Uh, I was able to put into practice what what I wanted to do. What? What? Uh, sorry, Shane. What? What were the most challenging aspects of the season then? Um, recruitment is huge. Um, really big. Um, and then I suppose getting everyone to to understand what you want from them. Um, clarity is massive. So, um, well, once that happened, the, the players were really good. My staff were excellent, and um, everything kind of clicked for us. Um, maybe not from from outside all of the time, but we we weren't really too concerned. We kind of knew it was coming. Already um, have the siege mentality. So yeah, that, you have to build that. So, yeah. but we were we were always quite confident in what we had. Um, and I remember I seen I done an interview in April, and it was. Uh, we just need to keep calm and pass the ball. And <laughs> we were in sixth, but we were only three points off the top. So mm. it was kind of like, oh, shells are sixth. But it was kind of going, right, well, one or two games here and mm. we'll just climb. And that's exactly what happened. Like, Shane, if they didn't win the league, it was, or if they didn't get promoted, it was failure. Like, well, sorry, yes. if you didn't win the league. If, if Shelburne Football Club <laughs> didn't win the league. Um, but even, I think, Ian, if you cast your mind back to the start of the season, there was a, a get-together um, in Talca Park and yourself was there, Andrew Doyle, and a few members of the board were there. I don't think anyone heard any plan B if Shells didn't go up this year because Andrew Doyle put in a set amount of money and he pretty much said, when the money's gone, it's gone. I'm not going to... This isn't going to be Ollie Byrne 2.0 here. So it was a case of Shelburne had to go up this that's, year. That's huge pressure. like Which which brought yeah. pressure on. And actually, inter- do you read much social media? Oh, I stay off it. Because yeah. I, I asked that because there was outside noise at the start of the season of 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 Shelburne fans pushing the Morris out line about two weeks into the season. <laughs> you know, and I, I can't get my head around that. <laughs> but does that affect you? Like, you must hear it in, in some sort of way, like that outside noise. And does that then add pressure immediately coming in? Because, you know, from some Shelburne fans as well, you know, we have to go even further negative on it. They're seeing as someone who's heavily connected with Bohemians coming in here with no managerial experience and they're thinking hold on a sec mm. what the hell's going on here now you've proved all those doubters wrong and you've done magnificently well but does that just add to the pressure? Um, I kind of knew that was going to come especially moving from Bowes as a player to, to Shells as the manager it was always going to be that kind of there's, there's, there's always going to be people you're going to have to to kind of prove wrong so to speak but, but that's a driving force for me and um, I knew it was going to be difficult um, going in. You're going to have to... A big thing myself and Dave Henderson actually spoke about from the, the start of the season. I think it was uh, man at Norwich, what's his name, Stuart. Um, I can't think of his, his second name. But he was saying a big thing for him was ignore the noise. The, the Norwich manager, is it? Uh, no, he's the sporting director. Right. Uh, but a big thing for him was ignore the, the noise and uh, don't listen to Twitter because Twitter doesn't know. And I just remember them two quotes sticking in my mind and going... It's actually quite good to listen to, it. and yeah, you just have to be focused and go. If if you kind of go at what you want to go, and you don't quite get there, well, then you can go right. That's okay, mm. but if you deviate or, or stray from what you're trying to do to please others, I think that's when you're going down the road where, what are you? Who are you? So I kind of stuck to what I, who I am and, and what I wanted to achieve, and luckily enough, it paid off for me. Mm, I, I don't know, like, the, the more I wor- the more I use social media, the more I'm like, this is not enriching anyone's life, if, if, essentially. Um, and probably we'll all get to the point where, like, this is a complete joke. But for a manager, I can't. Like, I had this notion last night of Stephen Kenny coming in and telling his kind of young players, listen, I'm going to manage the media here because Mick McCarthy has 
I don't know, over the last few days, it's like, I can't believe you're all so negative. You know, we're two, we're one win away. Um, so he's kind of, I think it's pissing him off at this stage. So he's getting a lot of questions. And I think Kenny, when he comes in, Kenny does manage the media because he brings up stuff in press conferences somewhat as a tangent because he wants it. So that's going to be for you next season because you're in the limelight now. So you're going to have to, if you start the season shit, basically you're going to have to deal with questions. Yeah, yeah. You that's you, The only thing you can do is be honest. Like, you can't. You can't pull the wool over anyone's eyes. Everyone knows what's happening. So, mm. like, results will speak for themselves. What are you laughing at there? I'm laughing at you guys because yeah. you just push and push, like you know, for yeah, answers yeah. and that for someone to, to to pop and give you give you something like you make, do make you don't, that, like, like you know. But like, there's so much. I'm a bit hypocritical. I'll be sitting here talking about like, but there's so many outlets and platforms now mm. to you know so many conversations going on and that. And I'd say for the likes of Mick and the, like he's old school a bit. This it's all a bit much. Like you know. Mm. This, constant 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 of the Irish the, the rugby team in the World Cup like everywhere you, you look it's three or four press conferences like, a day or something like yeah it's just overkill I think sometimes is, absolutely you know um, but it's, it's the like, same, same question asked five yeah, different yeah, ways yeah. and you're kind of looking for that hook looking for something to jump mm. on and I think with social media now it doesn't matter whether something's true or not once mm. you put it out there it's out there mm. and then you either have to defend it but then you're lowering down to a level or else you just have to leave yeah. it go and people are going to talk about it anyways if it's true so I think it's a little bit of a cesspit, to be honest with you. It's, yeah. it's, it's like anyone can say anything, and they've no repercussions to it. And that's so why you have to be mentally strong. Like, you have to leave it. I think leave it alone. You know, Mordo as a player was was very much that way, and I think the knockbacks he's had in his career down through the years, whether it be injury or whatever, um, I think has prepared him for for this role now. And like I had no doubt that he would be a really good manager. And, will go on to be a great manager in this league and maybe further if and it's is, still early days tomorrow because for me if yeah. he didn't get if they didn't win the league this season that oh, was, he was failure I'd say he was probably yeah. gone like yeah. you know? and I know the pressure he was under you know and uh, he knows and you know will be close to a, you know a lot of people in that in that camp as well from the days of Bowes and that and it, it was there was an awful lot of pressure at the start more than probably any other manager in, well in say, the say when Stephen Kenny got the job at Longford when he was 26 or 7 or 8 whatever he was mm. he took over such a terrible situation that he literally couldn't couldn't do it any worse so he his star rose because Longford became good but he started from no expectation yeah. Morrow started from get get promoted or or it's a failure basically yeah, he did. and that's difficult for it to start off yeah it is a lot so, for a young a young manager absolutely and the perception out there that there was X amount of money available to them and the biggest budget I don't know if that was the case um, and, and again the players that were brought in shaking his head there um, yeah, I don't know I don't believe it like um it's, it's it's the truth, but it was a, it was a difficult one, and he had to win the league. That was it. And if he didn't, and who knows where his career would have gone if he if he hadn't, if you know. But I had no doubt that he he would go on to be a, a very good manager. And as I said it's still very early days for him, but you know, I know it's difficult to judge because you're still building a, a squad for next season. But what are realistically the goals and aims for next season? Obviously, staying up would be successful. But I suppose a two pronged question as well that. And with the current squad, where do you think Shelburne would have finished if they had been in the Premier Division this year? Um, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, very good question. Um, Impartial journalism. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think, obviously, if we, we were in the Premier Division, we would have, would have trained more, we would have been fitter. So that certainly would have come into account. Um, I, I think the players we have, the reason I signed them all back is because I, I believe in them. I believe they can step up and I can believe they can be a real threat. In terms of next season, yeah, obviously staying up is going to be fantastic, but I'm ambitious. I want to, I want to finish as high as possible as we can. I think getting the players in, getting the players that have the right mentality, that, that want to 
to drive on, that want to kick their careers even further. That, that's the type of people that I want them to build and that, that's the way I work. I, I want to finish as high as we possibly can. If that is eighth or ninth, fine, we'll, we'll go again. But I, I want to look up the table and not just think, oh, we'll consolidate. I, I want to go as, as, as high as we can. But that's, I think if you don't give that effort and, and commitment, then you're letting your club down. And there was a sliding door moment in the Drogheda game where we had the Brennan sending off and uh, I met a few of the Shells lads on the Jolly after they went to the Curra at the end of the season and um, I saw Conan Byrne because we arranged like to get him a few tickets so I was like sure I'll meet you after great chat with him but um, I forgot that like his brother actually plays for Shells so Ryan Brennan was there as well and it was like some of the players were defending um, Sean they were saying I don't think he actually meant it but I genuinely I have to put this here I felt Shells were a little bit on the ropes in the start of the second half and that was a massive lift for you I, I felt more comfortable with when we they had 11 men than when they had 10 Strangely enough, I thought they were better with 10. When mm. McNally went up top, um, Wickstead started to play kind of wherever he wanted and start picking up good balls and good mm. positions. And I, I thought they were tougher to deal with when they 10. And then, luckily enough, we got the second and then, then the third. But um, I think there was a spell, 15 minutes maybe, 10, 15 minutes, where we were thinking, right, these are, these are out of here. They're pushing and pushing and their tails were up. But um, that, that's, look... The boys dug in, they, they showed their quality, they showed their resilience and we managed to, to win the game 3-1. Is that something, I'm not sure if you'll be aware of it down the seasons with Shelburne, but very typical to Shelburne would be throwing away leads or throwing away promotions and not being able to see out matches. But that is something kind of that there's been a mindset change. Is that something that you wanted to drill in to your squad of players from the, from the start to have them mentally strong as well as skillful on the pitch yeah 100 like I think that shows uh, we can see only conceded 19 goals this season which um, I think is one of the lowest ever conceded um, very unlike a Shelburne team yeah but like the, the Friday before we obviously no game we'd done 11 v 11 in Tolka and there was a couple of challenges that went in and they would have been sendings off and you have to step in and, and kind of give the players that realisation if that happens next Friday well then we're in a world of trouble that could be could be us Um having to go into the last game needing something so you have to address these things and luckily enough it went to get, it went for us to draw it out of man sent off and it, and it played in our favour so um, but, the, but the lads showed like even the lads that weren't involved that night the lads that were injured um, the togetherness of the squad was, was fantastic this year and I think it was it was evident and even the, the bond with the, the supporters and the players uh, fantastic to see I just stepped back and watched that after the draw of the game it was uh, it was overwhelming and it was it was lovely to see. Yeah, like you can imagine imagine managing like Monaco or something like that where it's like just rich people turn up and don't give like that night in Talca Park, you were obviously quite publicly uh, very emotional after the game. But there was a <laughs> massive outpouring. I think that makes you feel this is great because I'm making people happy here or my players are or whatever like. Yeah, oh, yeah. fantastic. You you just seen the emotion on people and there was grown men, there was kids crying and mm. you just see what it means to the Allegedly. people. And Allegedly. And shame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I was going to leave that go, but John yeah. didn't that I go. took the photo. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk Bo, so. Yeah, um, I think. Big win. They're, yeah, they're there now. The stars have aligned. They got Dundalk when Dundalk kind of... Uh, yeah, probably they're trying rest. out a few bits and pieces. I think Dundalk were at the time and they're a bit shaky at the back. Um, Looked to be rocking Friday daily mode, actually. Yeah, it has been all year, mm. I think. Um, yeah, after the break, I think there was about two, three month period there where they struggled and they have a lot of injuries as well in that, but... Um, it looks like they're they're over the line now with Europe and obviously the disappointment of uh, losing to Rovers in the cup semi final another semi final defeat. So um, no, it's it's been a, a great year and again 
you know, Keith has overachieved, I think, um, in the position that he has them in again this year um, after so many changes again to the squad at the start of the season. Um, consistently, that's that's happened and he's managed to pull rabbits out of his, out of his hat. Like um, Talbot? Yeah. Best keeper Probably, in the league? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And really? Get player of the year down there. I've no bit, a bit of a yet. maverick? Yeah, a little bit. Needs to calm down maybe a little yeah. bit and keep quiet at times, but it's his youth on his yeah. side there. And um, yeah, he just needs to maybe just shut his mouth sometimes. But yeah, Unbelievable! The way he plays the game is so much. Big lad. Yeah, he's not the, he's not massive. Like he's, just, he's, he's strong. So, he's strong. Yeah, yeah, he's solid. Um, but the way he is that he plays the game, he's so mature, and you know, and how he plays the game, and um, just his reading of the game is, is is really brilliant, and he's perfect for this league as well, and he'll go on to be. I suppose one of the best in this if he stays here. If he stays, if he stays yeah. but you just you just don't know what he's what he's going to do down the line. But he think he's happy at Bowes where he is now. He's one going of, home. Yeah, one of the one of the saves in the early on season against UCD was honestly one of the best saves I've seen at a game ever. Yeah, like I'd say there was you know guts of eight to ten of those this mm. year at, at different times. Um, but you've yeah, ca- you've has, called out Mandrew a bit. Yeah, I just think in certain games, especially against the likes of Rovers and the games we've covered for air, that he probably hasn't given enough um, to justify. Um, the hype maybe around him um, technically unbelievable um, going forward brilliant um, his positional sense excellent but just back the way he needs to do a bit more and help his team out and I think it was evident that night in, in Rovers where they Rovers finally broke the hoodoo um, and he maybe he was Red miss, fault, maybe. but yeah. Again, obviously that came down on him as well. But he doesn't do enough to support some of his teams, def- some of the, the lads defensively either. Um, and I don't know what it's a luxury you can afford to have at times in this league. Mm. Um, so like, he's young; it's his first full season in, in senior football, and hopefully he'll be better for it at the end of it. But yeah, unbelievable potential potential going forward. But just needs to add a little bit more to his game. What about uh, the, the the young lads coming through? You like Tierney and so yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, I like your man right up front as well. He puts himself about. He does, and I was delighted from the other night getting the goal mm. against the Dock because he does pull in a shift, and it's it's difficult for him at times. He's a lone a lone ranger up there, and obviously taking over from Dinny, so it's been difficult for him. But he does pull in a shift. He he puts himself about, and it was a great finish the other night, and and hopefully he'll he'll get stronger now into next season. He's signed another year with with, with Bo, so it's great to have him on board as well. The boy and Tierney. Tierney again. I've seen him since he was a kid at Kevin's and. Ballymun lad. Yeah, small little fella, but always stood out in the pitch and he'd give you everything. He'd run through a brick wall for you. He's not afraid of anything. Here and I against Dundalk, physically they're, they're a lot stronger, obviously, than Rossi is. And, you know, he's bouncing off the ground, bouncing straight up. Um, not a bother on him. He gets on with the game and he's willing to pull himself about. But he's a guy going forward that's been a real plus for Bowes this season and hopefully he'll get more game time going forward. But really strong mentality as well, he mm. has. Have, have Bowes overachieved this year and... You know, if so, how do you build on that for next year? Obviously, there'll be that feel-good factor if, if Europe is involved. Mm. Yeah, they have, without a doubt. Looking at their budget, everything going on um, down there, it's it's not easy for Keith at times to to bring players in. He's trying to you know sell something different, as we spoke about at the start of the show, and, and look after players in a certain way um, in terms of their their education and. and their life going forward and how we can help them on that side of things it's it's attractive to some players and hopefully he's getting better players and better people into the club and I think that's what he's, he's tried to do an approach he's taken over the last number of years is get better people into the into the club um, but yeah they've, they've certainly overachieved next year going forward obviously if they get they get Europe which I think they will um, there's a bit more money there I think the board need to 
release the poor strings a little bit and give them a bit more because I don't think you're going to get better than, than Keith um, to take that club forward and there's only so many times he can he said, pull a rabbit out of the hat um, so he needs to be, be given a bit more of an arsenal next year I think to, to develop that team and build it on um, to, to get up close to the likes of, of Rovers and Dundalk now just, just briefly, where are you both in favour of the the kind of uh, ground share and any update on that, or where where are we with it? I haven't heard, mm. haven't heard anything updated since since what was being going on. Mm. I'm not saying I, I'd be in favour of it, but I think it's a necessary evil as such to mm. you know move the game forward in this country. I love daily mount, love the way it is, but like we could have, you could have fit three, four times the amount into that ah, stadium yeah, at yeah. times this year. Yeah. Um, and it just you know another big Dublin club. We need another big stadium in in Dublin. You know, Rovers have done great work, and their stadium's fantastic. The games that we've covered this year out there for air, it looks great. Atmosphere. It does. It looks brilliant. Looks you know, the fans behind the goals. So it's something that needs to happen. I don't know when it is going to happen. It keeps on getting kicked down the road, but you know, mm. from what we're hearing, so the sooner the better. It happens. I know shells obviously are not too happy about it. Maybe a lot of our supporters and that, but. Mm. I think it's 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 necessary to move things forward. Um, who's in or out for next season, player-wise? Then, for shells and like, have you a better budget to kind of expand? Slightly. Um, yeah, I think who have we got signed? Um, we've got Collie, Jack, Denzel, Luke Bourne, uh, Dan O'Bourne, Aidan Frail, um, Ryan Brennan, Sean Quinn, Alex O'Hanlon, Dale Rooney, Denzel Fernandez, Jay's Cabia, um, Kieran Kilduff, Shane Farrell. I'm missing anyone there. You better not be. I know. I hope I'm not. I'm trying to roll through me. I'm actually interviewing... Carl Moore. Carl Moore. I've interviewed Jamie Heaslip on Off the Ball after this show, which is going to be a complete fiasco because I don't know, I don't follow rugby. <laughs> but uh, he's he's brought out a book and I've read about three lines of it and I'm obviously going to quote all three of them. But he was saying like, I fell out with Eddie O'Sullivan because the first like training session he got my name wrong. And I was like, you better not leave a pair out for next season. Now. I fell out because he forgot me in LOI Weekly. The players but, uh, the players you're looking at for next year, would they be all based in Ireland or would you be looking further afield? Good question. You'll find out soon enough. That's a yes. <laughs> looking further afield. We need, we need an exotic signing like from Uganda. <laughs> Shells have had Babis. some exotic signings yeah. that haven't worked out. Davi Da Silva, yeah. uh, Max Cream, Pascal Va- Like There's been a few. Yeah, yeah. They've shown, shown your age there even though you don't look it. But, uh, Oscar Brennan, just in case. Uh, Oscar, oh, Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar. <laughs> <That one> right. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be giving out. He'd be crying into he'd his craft beer later on. Out, yeah. Um, yeah. Cabin Teeley Drada. You're well versed to call this one. Yeah, Cabin Teeley Drada. Um, interesting looking at their, the games this season. Like Cabo beat them in the cup the start of the year. Then they beat them 4-1 up in Drogheda. Um, and then I was at the game in Stradbrook where Drogheda beat them 5-0, which was one of them games where Cabin Teeley were all over the place. Um, mm. Unlike them, they weren't organised. They didn't do what they had been all season. Um, and then the, the last game was nil all up in... Uh, Open draw mm. so looking at the results, you wouldn't take much from that. Um, I think the five nil was a bit of a freak when you could possibly talk about the four one. So the other two games were draws. But would you be worried about Drogheda just going in a bit cold now? I know they did a, did a friendly against Go United the yeah. other day, but I mean, I don't know how far but that goes. You look at the, the their last five games; they've lost four of them. They lost one on penalties to Sheriff in the, the Leinster Senior Cup, um, where Cabo. Um, They've had 11 clean sheets all season. They've got a lot of players. They must have 30 players to choose from. Um, and Stephen McGuinness has saved three penalties in the last game mm. to get them up. So you're kind of going, if it goes to extra time, that mentality's there for Cabo. Mm. Um, they 
Drogba to score a hell of a lot of goals, but they Dale also scores, concede yeah. a lot of goals as well. So it's interesting and going to, down to, to have a well. look at it. Yeah, yeah. Stratbrook yeah. is, is I was the there last week. Now, yeah. The pitch is in great yeah. condition. Was, I have to say, really, really scandal good. Scandal about twelve months ago. Or last oh, r- ridiculous! Yeah. Like, to start it was like the start of the year, timber, like yeah. But um, that game, the first leg is. Friday night, uh, seven forty-five in Stradbrook. In Stradbrook, yeah. And then the 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 Premier Division, Cork City v Dundalk. God, all the dead rubber Cork City Dundalk games. Uh, Patrick's against Bowes, the big game of the round. Um, now it's standing Sligo and Derry City on Saturday night. The other two games on Friday are UCD Shamrock Rovers, Finn Harps Watford, and Bar Bar an absolute um madness uh, UCD will finish bottom and Finn Harps will finish second bottom and play Drahadar Cabin Teeley uh, Subs Pat V Bowes will you be there? Yeah I think I'm going Way now. section? Yeah of course with the outlet um, so try to go to as many games as they can um, and I'm not doing obviously bits and pieces for you guys so it's Pat's last chance maybe to, to they, try. they need to win yeah um, um, I can't see it. I can't see them getting you know catching Bowes certainly but um, Derry as well I think Bowes and Derry both deserve to be there as well um, before we wrap up, how on a scale of not to terrible, how bad are Ireland at the moment? Or how disappointed are you? That was that was terrible last night. No, disappointed. Georgia was worse. Yeah, it was. That was the one really. You know, mm. that was an opportunity to really have a have a go. And um, you know, that's maybe one we look back on. Mm. Whatever happens in the in the campaign going forward in the Denmark game, that could be the big regret. How do you mm. think they're coached? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, you you haven't seen the game. I haven't seen the the, the training, so I don't know. No, how do you think the, when you look at them playing? Um, because he mixed it up a bit last night, Mick. But I think you're looking at Mick, and he's gone in, and he goes, "I need to get results." Mm. So you're looking at one result away from qualifying. Um, and if you you got to flip it, and you kind of go, right? If you play, try to play this fantastic football playing out from the back, and we were going into this last game knowing we couldn't qualify would you still be happier? Mm. So it's kind of a way up of what, mm. what your objective is. His objective is to qualify. So I think after the next game, then you can look at it and go, right, yes, the football or the way he likes to play mightn't be everyone's cup of tea, but I think Mick's objective and his goal when he came in was qualify. Yeah, thanks for coming in, lads. No problem. That was season three, episode 36, <coughs> apart from who wins the cup? Cause extra time. Whoa. Rollers. Let's see what we're doing here. There we are. Thanks for listening.